Okay, in the book of Matthew we are. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 27. And if you've got your bulletin, you can follow along in the outline. If you don't have a bulletin, it makes it difficult to know where we're, we're at <clears throat> in as far as the outline and what's being taught already. But if you follow on there, you'll find the travesty of justice that we find mentioned in verses 11 through to 26 of Matthew 27. <clears throat> we read there, and Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things that they witness against thee? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marvelled greatly. <laughs> now at the feast of the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will that ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Which of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. <clears throat> and the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this accurate record of these things that occurred. Lord, this is a complete travesty of justice. The legal system was thrown out the window. Everything here was done wrong. But Lord, we know Satan was rubbing his hands together and thinking that he'd won a victory over you. And Lord, it was only the beginning of his great defeat because you rose again the third day. Lord, thank you for that victory of the, of the death, burial and the resurrection. And Lord, we rest assured of our salvation in that, in the precious gospel. We pray now that as we look at these thoughts, you'd give us understanding and wisdom to make uh, adjustments and choices in our life accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the charge of Pilate, verse 11 to 14. We see Christ's sovereignty in verse 11 spoken of. What's the question that Pilate asked the Lord? <clears throat> Art thou the king of the Jews? And what was the Lord's reply? <laughs> He kept it brief, didn't he? Thou sayest. Thou sayest. It's like when the Lord talked to Caphias and, and uh, had the, 
Caiaphas even confess who he was. And here the, the Lord allowed um, <clears throat> this to happen here before the governor, thou sayest. Now, who was really in charge here? Was it Pilate or was it the Lord? <laughs> it was the Lord. He was always in control of the things that were going on. The Sanhedrin want, wanted Pilate to accept their verdict and hand the Lord over to them that they might stone him. But the Bible said from the mouth of a shepherd boy, <laughs> they pierced my hands and my feet, Psalm twenty-two sixteen. And crucifixion in that day had never been heard of. And so he wasn't going to be stoned to death. <laughs> and so the Lord was in control of the way things went, the questions that were asked and the answers that were given. Um, <clears throat> is he the king of the Jews? Jesus said, thou sayest. That answers a lot of questions. <laughs> I was asked a, asked a question by, or to, told, made a statement to me, actually, Jesus has never called the king of the Jews. And, you know, when you say, someone boldly makes a statement like that, you, you start, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> let me think. <laughs> I'm sure he was. And he, he, he has been declared that. And through the Old Testament and New Testament, it's been said so. He is and will be will be the king of the Jews by Christ's own admission that we have here. So we see Christ's sovereignty in controlling the situation. Then we see Christ's silence in verses 12 to 14. Uh, <clears throat> we've already read them. You can follow on. How did the religious leaders react to Christ's answer to Pilate? What would they be thinking? You know, they wanted him crucified. <laughs> he, he said he's king. He said he's going to you know, raise this, destroy this temple and raise it up in three days and other things they accused him of. And, <clears throat> and verse 12, when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. He answered nothing. They were really upset. They were vehement against him, vehemently against him. They were violently against him. They hated him without a cause, as it says in the Old Testament. So how did the, <coughs> that's the way they reacted. And what did Pilate say in verse 13? As he saw this going on and he was witnessing there, he was, he was part of it, said unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they say unto you? They witness against you? Of course he had heard them. <laughs> but what was Pilate expecting the Lord to do? Well, stand up in defense of himself. You know, if you don't defend yourself, you're going to die. Stand up and say something. <laughs> But he was going to die anyway. And the Lord knew that, didn't he? So <clears throat> Christ's silence here baffled Pilate. And what did Pilate do in verse 14? He answered him never a word in so much that the governor marveled greatly. Sometimes it's best to keep quiet. <laughs> you learn something when you listen. <laughs> but here the Lord knew all would be fulfilled according to his will and according to the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning himself and that this was what and the way it was going to go. He knew, he knew and knows all things, does he not? We looked at that this morning in our study there on justification. The charge of Pilate, 11 to 14, the choice of Pilate and the people, verse 15 to 26. Now, <clears throat> the Lord here as it were, forced Pilate to make the decision. The ball was in Pilate's court 
and he didn't like it. There was something about this individual that was royal in spite of his bruises and batterings that he'd received. He was royal in the majestic silence which, with which he faced his accusers without giving them answer. Those rabble priests whose demeanor and denunciations, denunciations gave them away for what they really were. They were really the ambassadors of hell and not of God for sure. Jesus need, needed no glittering diadem, no regal purple, you know, to make him look like a king, no ivory, ivory throne, no imperial guard, no diamond studded scepter, no trappings of earthly monarchy did he need. It was in him, he was that way. They marveled at the way he spoke at other times. They just knew there was something different about the Lord Jesus. And Pilate sensed that he was in the presence of a greater king than himself or even Caesar, and that Jesus was that one. <laughs> he sensed it but he wasn't game because of the people. How many times do we back down of making a confession for the Lord because of the people? And so this is what Pilate did. And it cost him and will cost him for eternity. Pilate could have done one of two things. Released an innocent man. He said he, said he was innocent. What has this just man done? And uh, he could condemn him to death, but he tried to shift the blame shuffling the blame onto somebody else or giving someone else a decision to make. And we see the malefactor there in verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was one to release unto the people prisoner whom they would, and they, they chose usually who would be released. And so Pilate, being a coward as he was, and wasn't going to release the Lord Jesus in the face of the determined Sanhedrin, he knew what these religious people were like. They'd make life hard for him in his governance. So he remembered it was a local custom for the governor to release a prisoner at the Passover time. And normal people could choose whomever they wanted, but he had a brilliant idea, he thought. This year we'd limit to, to, one cho to a choice. So it happened that a notable prisoner was on hand, named Barabbas in verse 16, a notable prisoner. <clears throat> and so he's going to force the people... but choose between Barabbas and Jesus. Pilate had probably heard just a few days earlier as Jesus rode into Jerusalem the Hosanna to the king as he rode there and they laid the palms down and they laid their coats down and they declared him to be king. <laughs> and a tumult, all Jerusalem was in an uproar about that. So I'm sure that he had heard. And if he hadn't heard that... <clears throat> He had heard of this man, the Lord Jesus, who healed the sick, cleansed the lepers, raised the dead, went about doing good, exercised demons out of people, fed the multitudes, and did many other good things. It was word around town. He would have known this. And here he was going to condemn this and offer condemned the Lord but he, he was offering this rebel this robber this rabble rouser this murderer instead and so in Pilate's mind what would he be thinking surely they'll choose the Lord Jesus to be released and they'll they'll have this other fellow the worst of kinds to be put to death and that's not the way the decision went Barabbas which literally means son of, a, of the father was a title rather than a name <clears throat> 
And some old manuscripts say Jesus Barabbas was his name. So the choice was between Jesus, who was called Barabbas, a thief, robber, murderer, insurrectionist, and Jesus called the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the Father. <laughs> and Pilate thought he had it stitched up that they'd be forced to make a decision against the Lord. And, I mean, <clears throat> against Barabbas and let the Lord be released, but it wasn't so. <clears throat> Verse 19, notice there's a message came to him. We have the message. <laughs> When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? <laughs> I have suffered many things. So who was it that brought the urgent message to Pilate? His wife. Seems to have had some nightmares about this situation. And how did she describe Jesus here? And this is a, another warning, just adding to the guilt of Pilate. He was a just man. Have nothing to do. She'd heard the talk as well as Pilate of town and what the Lord Jesus had done around these three years prior. Um, <clears throat> what do you think Pilate thought? Well, it troubled him. In Luke 23, 22, he said unto them the third time, trying to get the Lord released. You know, why? <laughs> now, I think there's a bit of a message for husbands here, isn't there? <laughs> If you get a message from your wife and as urgent as this, you need to take heed. Take heed. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen. And uh, she had a premonition. No, she had had uh, things that she'd suffered that night. And she was saying, just back off. Let him go. <laughs> and it wasn't to be. We see the multitude came into the, sh the picture here. Verse 20, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The religious renegades are seen there in verse 20. They persuaded the crowd to cry out for the death of the Lord Jesus and release unto Barabbas, us, unto us Barabbas. In Luke 23, Mark 15, you can read the other accounts of where this is, is given and uh, fill, in the, fill in the details of it. If we weren't there, you can turn that you turn there for yourself. And we see the riotous mob, the religious leaders, made the multitude choose one who hurt the people instead of helped the people. One who was guilty and not godly. One who was violent instead of virtuous. One who was a robber instead of the redeemer. Has, have things changed in the world any? That's what they choose. They're unsaved, they're children of the devil, and that's the choice they make as sinners. And the, and the, religious, the religious leaders. I wonder today, if, if I said, if we had this occasion in Albury happen, who would be backing the execution of the Lord Jesus as far as people in pulpits in our town today? Okay, the, pon the ponytail pontiff, Mr. Dunyard, got him a name. <laughs> and he would. He would, because what he does to the word today and how he puts it in our newspaper, it's evident where he is at and what he'd cry out. And, and, and just the same as these religious people in that day. And they, you know, when you get a, a mob going like this, you get a chant going and you get a, a protest going and Half the people don't know what they're there for and yelling out the same thing, you know, crucify him, crucify him, and crucify who? 
uh, who are we talking about? The Lord Jesus that was going about doing good. They healed my uncle and my aunt and raised my uh, niece or whatever. You know, all these people would have had some connection somehow that they knew of. And if they just stopped and thought, they might have thought, no, no. But they were stirred up by the religious people and they thought, well, they must be respected, they must be making the right decision, they must be telling us to do the right thing. And so they took up the chant as people do in riots, not knowing what they were chanting, but going to be held very accountable for what they did chant and do. So the regrettable cry and curse that came. We'll read verse 21. The governor answered and said unto them, which of the twain will you that I release unto will I that you release unto you? They said Barabbas. And he's probably what? <laughs> How could you make that decision? Pilate said unto them, what, what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified, cried out. And the governor answered, Why? What evil has he done? So his conscience is being pricked, isn't it? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And I'm sure right at the front were the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the evil lot that called for his death. And what have they got over in Israel again right now? They've got a Sanhedrin together. They've got 70 of them together. They've got them all dressed up. You you talk to Andrew about it. (laughs) He's over there, sees it happening. Go down the streets in Jerusalem and see for yourself these people. What would they do again if the Lord Jesus was offered right now? They'd still say, crucify him. They still don't think. you. <clears throat> as I've said many times, you go to Israel and mention the name Jesus amongst the religious, the ultra-Orthodox, and see the reaction you get. You better be ready to run <laughs> because they do react very violently. Not all of them, but the ones that were around us when we were there. Maybe Andrew had stirred them up already. <laughs> he, he got them fired up and, and they were ready. And just to look at them as they looked at you, you knew you weren't liked. And uh, <clears throat> we were three times meeting the same person going around some gardens and they, we come upon them. I've said it before, three times and... The Lord led us right in and Andrew just pulled out another track (laughs) and gave it to the son if the father wouldn't take it. And when we left in the car park that we were leaving at the same time and the father just stared at us all the way. He's the one who didn't trip over a rock or something, just looking at us. Who are we? What sort of car we got? What's this registration number? You could almost see him looking through you. (laughs) They don't like the name Jesus. They don't like Christians. They call us Jew killers. They say we call them Christ killers, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks here. But, <clears throat> yeah, who killed Jesus? We'll get that. We'll, we'll leave that one for later. But the cry was made out here. The people chose this. Who do you choose? All the people answered. Well, verse 24, let's notice what Pilate tried to do. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just man. Will this do to cleanse him from the guilt? He was responsible. He was the governor. He had the authority. 
He could have chosen different. But the guilt is upon him. He couldn't wash this guilt away by washing his hands of it. And uh, he said, See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, and this is one of the fa those famous sayings that they probably wished and will in time to come, the Jewish nation, that they'd never said, His blood be on us and on our children. That's something they probably wish they'd never said. And in time, it will be seen that they wish they'd never said it. In prophecy, it tells us these things. Let's go back to the Old Testament, the book of Hosea. His blood be on us and our children, our descendants, a regrettable cry and a regrettable curse that come upon them. Reading in Hosea <clears throat> just this last week and reading, this is before they went into captivity, the Jewish nation, it's talking to Ephraim, which is the ten tribes, the ten northern tribes, and Judah, the two southern tribes. And the things that they've done, they've gone in, treated the Lord treacherously. They've gone into harlotry and whoredom, spiritually speaking. And Hosea gets to verse 15 of chapter 5. And I think it's speaking in the future of the time we're speaking about right now in Matthew 27. I will go and return to my place. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. I'll go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offence. And their offence is crying, crucify him, crucify him, and seek my face. In their affliction... They will seek me early. Come, they will say, let us return to the Lord. He hath torn. And truly this did happen to Ephraim by the Assyrians in 722 and by the Babylonians in 586 BC that they were torn, torn out of their land, spread and scattered all over the world and have been scattered since. They did come back partially, we know, <coughs> after the dispersion from the Assyrians and Babylonians but he is torn and he will heal us he is smitten he will bind us up and after two days he will revive us and the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight so he's torn he's smitten them but he will bring us back together he will bind us up he will heal us so <clears throat> whatever you want to think of verse 2 is interesting two days he will revive us and the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning and shall come unto us as the rain, as a latter and former rain unto the earth. And you can refer to Joel in reference to that. But there they will be scattered. And uh, yes, they were scattered at the, the captivities, but they were also scattered at Titus coming down the Roman general and scattering them in 70 AD. And they have been scattered. His blood is on them and their children. And this is prophesied Old and New Testament. If you go to the book of Luke, chapter 21 and 24. <clears throat> you know, a lot of Jewish people try to disguise who they are or what nationality they are for fear of what might come upon them if they confess and who of their relatives might be taken in in time to come. Uh, many Jews are speaking out now. They've got their own land. They're back in the land. <laughs> They've got a place they can call home for a while. <laughs> 21, 24. 
of Luke. No, I mean Acts. That's too far. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Has that been the case? That has been for just about 2,000 years now. Just another 10 years or so, that will be 2,000 years where they fell by the edge of the sword. How many would there be if they hadn't been murdered in mass? by the Crusaders, by Hitler, and all the people. And right now, who wants to drive them into the sea so that they all die? Iran wants to wipe them off the face of the map, the Arab people. His blood be on us and our children. Listen, if you reject the way of salvation, you reject the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, you have no hope. There's only judgment to fall. His blood will be upon you. You can't tread underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and get away with it. A counting day is coming. As a nation of Israel, you ask them, what's happened to your nation? Why, why is it that it seems to be that you're so hated? <clears throat> this is something just of recent in an article I read from. And this is just a summary. They gave a summary. 20,000 projectiles have been fired into Israel by Hamas since 2005. 1.09 billion, 1.1 billion people in the world are anti-Semitic. Arab nations, that's a big lump of those, against the Jew. 57% increase occurred in anti-Semitism incidents from 16 to 17, 2016 to 17. A 57% increase. It's on the increase. 50% of the hate crimes in America against religious minorities in 2016 were against Jewish people. 50% of those hate crimes were brought. 382,000 anti-Semitic comments were posted on social media platforms in 2016. One every 83 seconds. Why are they so hated? Why is it that they're put down like this? His blood be on us and our children. And that's a thing through history. 63% of all anti-Semitic content online can be found on Twitter. I don't know what Twitter is, but I don't use Twitter. (laughs) But I think it's a little bird, by the sounds of it. (laughs) And um, a little bird told me that. (laughs) But this is the thing. You don't do that what you did to the Lord of glory, to your own Messiah, and get away. Unsaved Gentiles, be warned. Doesn't it tell that? Let's turn to the reference. We'll get there in Romans 11, but go to Matthew 23 first. And preached this in the morning service not so long ago. We're supposed to do it in the evening, but brought it forward into the morning service in chapter 23 of Matthew, where the Lord Jesus looked over Jerusalem, just just prior to what we've been looking at in chapter 27. And he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings? And ye would not. It's like Cambodia. You know, God 
miraculously opened the door after Pol Pot and all the things that happened there, God opens the door and all these people in there and now they have a, a knowledge, a basic knowledge of who God is. God did it in Russia too, didn't he? And the door's closing there. Um, <clears throat> it, God is very merciful and he opens his arms and says, come, I give you the invitation. And he said to Jerusalem, I've told you over and over again, but what have you done to the people I sent to you? As the hen gathered the chickens, you would not, you would not. Behold, your house is left to you desolate. Now, pronunciation upon a people who reject the message that comes to them. For I say unto you, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Will that day come? It's in the Bible. It will come, and it won't be long. It's not far away, I believe. But Israel has to be brought under such pressure that they get to the point of repentance. Now, isn't it far better to turn to the Lord early rather than late? Rather than God have to bring some terrible circumstances in your life and turn to him, turn early. Young people, turn early to the Lord. Learn of him when you're young, not later, and go through all the tragedies of life and get to the end of life and know what I wasted my life on. Don't, be, don't, don't get to the point of being saying that, like Israel, if they only had realised. And where is it, Zechariah? They will look upon him whom they have pierced when he comes, and they'll mourn for him as one mourns for his only child. Oh, you can just hear the sigh from the third of them that are left. Oh, that we had received him the first time round. They receive him the second time round, but all the pain of all the people they've been put through and the horrors they've gone through as a nation. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Netanyahu said, you know, it's not going to happen again. It is. Sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> the Bible says it's going to come upon you again. Two-thirds of those there in Israel one day will be killed from invasions that happened to them. Now Romans 11 will conclude with this. I'd like to go further, but just thinking of that thought there his blood be upon us and our children <clears throat> that you be not ignorant brethren in verse 25 of 11 that you should be ignorant of this mystery lest you be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in and Andrew if you're listening there in Israel you know what it's like <laughs> And we've said this to Andrew before he went. They're blinded. There's very few that respond to the gospel. Praise God, there are a few. So keep laboring, keep sowing the seed there in Israel. It's happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And then so all Israel, and it's not talking about the church, it's talking about the nation of Israel, shall be saved as is written. It shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them. He's made a new covenant, Jeremiah 31, and I shall take away their sins. Isn't God long-suffering? Isn't he gracious that after all that rejection and all those years of dispersion and scattering, he's brought them back in our day, or before our day, really, and even today, so the seven million of them there in Israel and God is going to deal with them 
and is going to bring back the covenant with them and fulfill those covenants, those unconditional covenants to them. And all Israel shall be saved. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer. I think that which we should get from this tonight is don't say no when God invites you. He's invited us to his banqueting table, the feast of salvation, and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come while there is yet time. Don't delay. And don't ever say his blood be on us and our children. Don't put him off. We know too many that have done that and it's cost them. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you went through this willingly, knowingly, knowing what was going to happen. You, you knew that you were going to be crucified. Lord, we pray for the nation of Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It can only come about as prophecy is fulfilled and that they bend and bow the knee to the Lord Jesus as anyone even today must turn to you. Lord, I pray that if there's one here today, they might turn to you and pray for Israel that there where Andrew's laboring and sowing the seed for, for years now that some would get saved, that many in the future would from the seed sown turn to you and repent. We ask your blessing and guidance and fulfillment of your word in Jesus' precious name. Amen.